Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to season two of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me Damon Mills. Hi! Whose <laughs> voice is gracing us today. He's been in Ladies vs. Butlers. He's been in Pokemon, and just recently, the anime that took everybody by storm, Yuri on Ice, to name a few. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. For sure, dude. I appreciate it. Now, you've been involved in voice acting for a few years. How did you initially get involved? I got in in a kind of awful sort of different way than a lot of other voice actors. Because a lot of people usually start with theater training or take classes or just happen to know somebody in the industry and fall in that way. I'm an anime fan and I always have been. I like video games. I'm all about that life. So I initially started just practicing voice impressions like Dragon Ball Z. I love Dragon Ball Z. And just kind of messing around for a few years. Like nothing really too serious. Like I didn't set out to be a voice actor or anything. I was just like, this is fun. I can do this as a hobby, I guess. And then a couple years down the line, some people suggested to me, hey, you're kind of good at this. Maybe you should try making some original voices and talk to some professional voice actors in the industry. And I was like, oh, maybe, I guess. I never really thought about it. So what I did was I started talking to voice actors online and getting their advice on what route I should take on what I should do to move forward with it. A lot said to take classes and read aloud a lot. Get equipment, record yourself, practice different voices. Like the main thing people need to understand about voice acting is it's mainly about acting. It's not so much about the voices that you can do. If you have a flexible range, that's great. That's fine. Directors love that. It's usable. But if you only have the voice in mind, it kind of boxes you into this little area where you can't really branch out of that mindset. So I read some books. I kind of just trained myself and worked with other people to get better at that. I used to live in Hawaii. I couldn't really do much voice acting there because there's nothing except paradise. So I moved to the Northeast and I started working in New York City. And I worked in New York City on anime for Media Blasters and on Pokemon. I was the lead protagonist in Holy Night. It was a two-episode OVA. I play Shinta Mizumura. He's a cool dude. It's a crazy short anime about vampires and love and all kinds of fun stuff. I worked on Ladies vs. Butlers, as you said, as Selmia's father. Pokemon, I was in Clash of Ages. And X, Y, and Z, I played some members of Team Flare in the first episode. Episode. That was pretty cool. And recently I moved to Texas and I started working for Funimation and I've gotten quite a bit from them. But that's kind of the gist of my route as becoming a voice actor. You just mentioned that you spoke to some voice actors. Who were yes. some of the people that you spoke to that gave you advice that kind of pushed you into this industry a little bit? Wendy Powell, who voices Envy on Fullmetal Alchemist, she was a big advice giver. I've talked to people like Chris Ayers, Sunny Strait. Michelle Knox has been a big influence for me. She's the voice of Jesse on Pokemon. Wonderful, wonderful friend of mine. I love her very much. She has been the biggest guiding force for me moving forward with my voice actor journey. And for starting with auditioning and stuff, I started in 2012 for trying to do professional paid work that can go towards my resume, like original projects. And the very first thing I did was a point-and-click adventure game called Castle Dracula. I played Dracula for that. And how did you even go about finding that work? And what was it like auditioning for your very first paid work? 
Voice Acting Alliance had a lot of initial paid original projects to put on your resume while you're just starting to get into it. It was nerve-wracking. I, I wasn't too sure of what I was doing. I was just trying to do my best and trying to find a voice that fit into the character's mentality and their story and what they're all about. Find different mannerisms for them. Just kind of craft them into something that could be usable for the project. But at the time, I was nervous because I was very new. <laughs> So Voice Acting Alliance is a good place for people to start looking, to start out. It's a big community. I know a lot of people have started on there trying to collaborate with projects. And there's a lot of people trying to get into the voice acting industry there. And now to dive into your anime. I mean, we just mentioned Holy Night. I think we should <laughs> yes. start there. Yes, yes. Oh, Holy Night. That was my first role I ever booked for anime. It was with Media Blasters, directed by Brittany Lauda and Melanie Ehrlich. That was in the New York, New Jersey area. So that was pretty fun. It was definitely an experience. I went in the middle of winter. In the middle of a snowstorm, a big blizzard. I went to that area and I got stuck. That was funny. Yeah, I started with Holy Night. That was 2015, so I've been in anime for two years. I did Pokemon later on that year, several times. Directed by Teresa Bushyster, wonderful lady. She was really one of the first people I worked with that really encouraged me and made me super pumped about working in anime and stuff. So that was my New York kind of era of working up there. It wasn't too, too much. There's more anime work down here in Texas. And California's got a lot too. And so you worked on Pokemon this year. Pokemon is probably one of the most recognizable animes due to the games and just the fact that it spans so many generations. What is yeah. it like for you yeah. to work on it's... something like this? Well, dude, I grew up watching Pokemon. I was five years old watching the Indigo League and grew up playing the games and still play the games. I mean, I love the series. I always have. So it was really surreal to even work on it for a little bit. I will always hold that dear because it's part of my childhood and to say, you know, oh, I was a part of that. It's really cool. And now on the con scene, you travel with the Pokemon pack as they're dubbed officially yeah. here. Yeah, I um, gone to a lot of cons in the Northeast area. They just did Katori Con, and I've done Colossal Con in Ohio. Pokemon definitely was my first big thing, and it definitely got me off the ground for recording and stuff. And since I moved to Texas, I started working on a bunch of different stuff. The first thing I booked here when I moved here was One Piece Film Gold. And that's really cool because I know One Piece is huge. I play Tanaka. He's part of the Grand Tesoro group of bad guys. He's the head of security and he's got this crazy little laugh he does. He's got powers that can go through the walls and stuff. His laugh is like So to talk about One Piece Gold, did you audition for it or were you requested for it? What was the process? I had just moved to Texas and I had the opportunity to go up to Funimation and Joel McDonald asked me while I was there, hey, do you want to audition for uh, One Piece Gold? And I was like, what? (laughs) Sure. Okay. So yeah, I tried out for that. It was like four different characters and I didn't think I'd get anything. You know, I was like, oh, One Piece Gold. I mean, that's really, really big. But I was like, hey, why not? And I found out a week or two later that we're going to have you as Tanaka. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? Really? So yeah, I recorded for that. That was the first thing I booked with Funimation was One Piece Film Gold, which is crazy. And the other biggest thing I've booked, as you said, Yuri on Ice, that exploded. That's crazy. I play uh, Yakov, this big angry Russian man. He's Viktor Nikiborov's coach, and he's kind of like comic relief and just a stern, crazy coach throughout the series. And it's funny to play somebody that sort of repertoire being Russian. And now about Yuri on Ice, the simulcast came out pretty close to the Japanese release. 
Yes, for the simuldubs that we do, as soon as the episode comes out, the script writers will adapt the script for us and the time coders will time code it, blah, 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 go through and everything, get approved, and then we start recording right away. So there's no real lag on it. Like, I know some people will be like, oh, it's like four episodes behind. Like, well, really, as soon as it comes out, we start. It's a process. It takes about a week to do, but we're all in there working super hard and trying to provide awesome animes for you guys. And being that it took Storm in Japan and it was really popular, did you know how popular it was in Japan and how did that affect you? Not really. Like, I watched the first episode of the sub on Crunchyroll not too long before I went in to record for it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is really pretty. And what I like about the show is it doesn't fetishize the gay relationship between Yuri and Victor because... It's love. It's a cute, real experience. And it doesn't primarily focus on that. Yes, it's a focus, but it also focuses on mental illness and the competition and just different cultures. And it's just awesome. And it's both very serious and comedic. And everybody involved was just phenomenal. Sunny Strait's a wonderful director. He brought us all together for this amazing ride. And hopefully in the future it continues. I really hope. I really, really hope. I love that show a lot. And how do you feel that it was received, the English dub of it? Ah, uh, people seem to really dig it. Katoricon was the first con I had done since I did this anime, and people were really well receptive of it, and they were very complimentary towards me. I think everybody did a great job with the dub. There's a lot of sub versus dub debates. And I think each group does its own different things, different ways, and they do them well. It's a collaborative effort on both ends, and it's done its job. And now to talk about two other sports animes that you were in. All the sports anime. Cheer Boys and... <laughs> Cheer Boys and All Out, right? And All Out. Let's go with that. Cheer Boys was fun. That was another one of the first things I started on there. Zishuan Chen, very awkward sort of boy and doesn't really know how to socially talk to people. He's kind of this weird kid who becomes a part of the cheerleading group and eventually sort of becomes kind of normal-ish, but he's very odd. He kind of like just hangs around the guys in the beginning. It's just like, so this is how you make this sort of meal. He's just like observing why and just taking notes of everything. Like, how do be normal? And All Out, All Out's still continuing. It's in its second season right now. I play Kibi. He's the this guy shows up on the rugby team and he seems like a sassy kind of laid back guy. The show has a lot of different terminology for rugby that I wasn't familiar with. I'm not a sport person. I don't sport. So for that, our director, Dave Trosco, he's always telling us to make a score as a try and all these different things. And it's really funny because I'm just like, okay, if I played rugby, I'd just fall. And now I'm going to go out here on a limb, but I think cheerleading and rugby are very different. I could be completely wrong on this one. But how do you get into character considering you don't sport and that these are polar opposites? You don't have to be for Yuri on ice. I'm not an ice skater. I don't ice skate. But you kind of do a little bit of research on your part. And the director is usually pretty good about guiding you on what's happening in the scene and in the show. And, you know, you get a good visual aspect with Anna of what's going on when you're watching and dubbing it. You just try your best to act that out. So I tried to just pull from how they are and how they look, their physicality and what's going on around them. And you don't have to necessarily know how to be on a rugby team or be a part of this Grand Tesoro's army or his bad guy troop. They were very different than what I am, but our director's 
definitely help telling us where to go with it. And so far, you've done three sports animes. Do you find it easier once you've done one, then you do two, then you do three, to kind of get into the mentality of what a sports anime goes through? It just kind of depends on the story. Well, they do different sports. They're not necessarily following the same sort of path. Like the story for All Out and the story for Cheer Boys and the story for Yogi on Ice are completely different. And yes, they go through their own sort of competition things, but the paths they go to get there just completely go astray from each other. And I think Yogi on Ice is one of the best jobs at doing that from any anime I've seen recently, actually, with doing a story and compiling it all together. And now I want to go into the musical component of anime with Show by Rock hashtag. Show by Rock. I just did a small part with that. I played by Red. He was part of this Power Ranger looking group directed by the lovely Kate Glass. So it was funny because I had to just be like super action-y with that. I know that there's a lot of singing in the show though, right? I personally haven't watched a lot of Show by Rock, but I know there's a lot of singing involved and stuff. And I think Funimation themselves put out a article demonstrating how they make the songs and stuff and how they adapt it from the Japanese and how they'll have somebody do a scratch track of it for the actors so they can kind of hear the melody. It's a really interesting process and I'd love to catch up on it. You know, everybody in Funimation has been in this. Elizabeth Maxwell, Chris Savat, Morgan Berry, who you're good friends with. There's so many people are in this show as well as countless others that you're in. How does that affect you as a voice actor that you're in a group that has such amazing talent? It's an honor, obviously. And it's also fun because a lot of these people are my friends. And it's fun to play with your friends in the booth and hang out and talk about it after and think about what's going to happen next in the story. What are we going to do? And where are we going to go with the plot and our characters and stuff? It's always an adventure with it and i think i can say this but you're relatively new to voice acting being around yes. such talent does that help you to improve i would say so i've learned a lot especially with animation these past few months i've learned a ton from the wonderful directors that work there people have been doing this forever for nambaka as jugo it's been definitely one of the heaviest growths i've had as an actor nambaka i played the lead jugo in that one and it starts out as a comedy anime but spoilers it turns dark and there's just a lot of different emotional depths i have to go to with jugo some days he'll be laughing with his friends and stuff and having a great time and escaping prison and some days he'll have a mental breakdown and i'll cry in the booth for hours that was awesome for one of the newer episodes jugo was it was really sad and i cried <laughs> i cried a lot for that one aaron disney directs that one he was making some sort of joke when we were recording he's like wait no you have to continue to cry I won't spoil this for you now i want to unpack some of this how did you get this role and how did you really get the lead in this anime i just auditioned like everybody else did aaron had me in for audition i read for all the characters for the first episode all the male characters anyway yeah they called me in for jugo and i was shocked Jugo is easily one of my favorite characters I've ever voiced at this point. He's a fun, loving guy who loves hanging with his friends, and he's got his own battles he has to deal with, both internally with his past and with the present, with dealing with stuff that's going on in the plot. And we're in season two right now. The finale just aired for season one. We're moving on to the second season, which I was stoked to find out about. I was like, what? Season two? Yay! There's a lot more I think we can do with this show, and I hope we can continue continue it for a while and now obviously this is a very funny show there's funny elements and then there's dark disturbing elements yes. and they say in show business comedy is one of the hardest things to do 
do you feel that way with this character to really convey that? I don't feel like Jugo himself playing him as hard. At first, I had to learn the character. The first episode was always the hardest because we're trying to find who they are and what's driving them and finding the voice and learning about each little nitpick of the story that we can try to make it perfect. I started recording this, I think, October, and it's now February. It's just been like three, four months of just like living with Jugo and understanding him. And a lot of my friends are playing in this show too and it's always fun to uh, play off them in the show Alejandro Sa plays Uno and a lot of people seem to ship Uno and Jugo <laughs> it's really funny and he left a bomb for me a bomb is when an actor will leave a funny line that's not the original line in the booth and they'll play it after for the actor for just a funny little moment for the finale episode there's a line and he was arguing with somebody trying to protect Jugo and trying to reason with him to let him go help him. And Uno was like, he's my husband. I have to go and save him. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> my take was I had to scream and I was about to scream. And I heard that and I kind of fell to the floor. I was like, what the hell? It was the funniest thing. And there's tons of funny lines in this show. There's tons of funny moments. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. you have a particular favorite one that has occurred in season one? I had somebody quote this one for me and had me say it at Katorikon. It was from the first episode. Jugo and Uno are arguing about if Jugo can get some ladies and what are his good qualities. And he's like, I have very little body hair and my nipples are bright pink. And I was like, why? Why did you say this? It was so funny. And it was in the Japanese too, so I was really happy to do that. I have to follow up. How many times did it take you to say this without bursting out with laughter? Every episode, it's a couple times, unless it's a really dark episode where something's really funny and I just can't get through it. Because Aaron and I, every session I have with him is just super funny and we both have similar senses of humor so it's just like I have a great time recording Nambaka. And now I want to change gears and talk a little bit about video games. You've only been in a few and one of them was Y2K. Yes, Y2K actually. The crow, a mysterious evil sort of creature. What was the story behind you becoming involved in this game? For this one, I was sent an audition by uh, Brittany Lotta and she had me read for the main cast as well as Crow. And he had a different name at the time and he looked completely different, but they kept the way I did the voice. I auditioned for that and I actually recorded that one from home through my home setup. And the dialogue they have for this guy is just super funny. I don't want to spoil anything because the game's still in development, but he has a few different personas to say that. I have to take on the guise of several different people and try to emulate that through my voice while still sort of sounding like me. There's so much with that game that since it's not out, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm really looking forward to the story with that and when it does come to the PS4 and Wii U and PS Vita and I think Xbox One. And then another game you were in was Cry Amore as well as Regalia of Men and Monarchs. Yeah, Regalia of Men and Monarchs. I was cast through Sound Cadence Studios. Amber Lee Connors is the founder of the studios, and she brought me in for that character. He's a very prancy, sort of eloquently spoken man who I believe is a banker, debt collector sort of person. That is another one that is in development. All the games I'm in are in development. I don't think any of them have been released. I did record for a video game for one that is not an indie project, but I can't talk about it yet. It hasn't been released, but I should be able to talk about it soon. We always have 
these we recorded it but we can't talk about it sort of things like those voice actors because they put us under a non-disclosure agreement until it's been released but i'm excited for that one that one was really fun to record i recorded that here in texas so i think we could say you recorded for about four or five games whether they're released or not that's up for debate but my question is that how does voicing for anime differ from voicing for video games? For anime, we have a very specific sort of dubbing style that we have to do. We record by ourselves normally if we're just recording for one character. We're put in a booth with two monitors and the microphone. One monitor will show you the script for the show, and the other will show you the video for the anime. And what you'll have to do for anime is you'll have to match the flaps, or the mouth movements, they call it. And you're cued in with a time code and a three-set beep. So say you'll be reading a line for Goku, and you have to do a Kamehameha, so it'll be like beep, 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 Kamehameha. And you want to match it to the flaps. And if you get it right, they'll place it in. And if not, you come back in and redo it. And the director will give you notes if they have any. Sometimes you do it just line by line. Sometimes you would do it in a chunk, depending on how it's written and how far apart the lines are themselves. For video games, usually you have a script and you're by yourself. You don't have a video and you're lucky if you see what the character looks like. And the director will inform you of what is going on in the scene, what's going on with the character. And if you're like doing a fighting game or something, you'll do a lot of reactions. So saying you're getting punched or you're swinging a sword or whatever, you have to make a sound for every single sort of movement they might make in a video game. You're playing a character, like they're going to climb up some stairs. They're going to want some sort of breathing or grunt for that. Both of them have their own particular sets of things that they do. Occasionally for anime, you will record with others for what they call Walla. Walla is with all actors and for that you will be in a group of usually four people you'll be put in the booth around the microphone and for that you'll be doing scenes usually improv of what's going on in the visual or the director will tell you that this is going on and what you're talking about needs to be about this sort of subject or this scenario and you'll usually play off the other actors and improvise your lines for that it can get pretty silly i think one time i said something about my mom packed me fish sticks or winter camp but yeah like i said for video games you're usually alone I think the only time you'll record off other actors is for prelay animation, which is like if you're recording something for Nickelodeon for one of those kind of shows where everything's animated to your voice rather than us matching the pre-animated anime scenes. And the other voice work you've done is for visual novels. That's its own different sort of beast because each client does it differently. For visual novels, I've either been directed by somebody who's working for the studio and it'll be kind of like a video game where they'll tell you what's going on in the scene or I'll self-direct. A lot of the time for like recording auditions at home, you have to direct it by yourself or you have to just do multiple takes. And you'll send in three takes of a line read in different ways. And if they want any fixes, they'll let you know and they'll just send it back your way. So each sort of different type of voice acting has its own little niche and a different way about going about it. And then the final project I want to talk about is Kira Buckland's Dragonstar, a story <laughs> of competitive gaming. I did that a while ago. I recorded some lines for Kira and I sent them in to her. It's a... Uh, story of competitive gaming it's about a bunch of high schoolers it's kind of like smash brothers you know like how people get really competitive over smash brothers or any other fighting game or maybe league of legends or something and they'll just compete off each other and just like strive to be the very best 
like no one ever was. <laughs> and I play Masao Hashimoto in that. He's sort of timid, quiet kind of guy. And I mean, this was a cool project. And I know you don't remember too much about it, but how did you feel about the entire idea of creator-owned animation? I think it's awesome to like that they're going to make their own, rather than doing like a visual novel or something, like they're going to animate around the voice actors and make an original project. Like I know Kira and Chris Neosi used to make Brawl Taunt videos for like Super Smash Brothers Brawl first came out. Those were always really funny because they would like make short little flash animations on YouTube. It kind of reminds me of that in a way with more of a depth with the story. And now I think we covered a decent amount of your career so far. But what advice do you have for people who want to get involved in voice acting? For people who want to get into voice acting, don't give up. Follow your dreams. Talk into the microphone every day. You know, you don't have to take an acting class per se. It's advised to take acting classes. I know if you live in this area, there are voiceover classes by Chris Rager at Okatron 5000. That's a cool, fun class you could take and get professional advice and experience from Chris Rager, Christopher Sabat, Ian Sinclair, Joel McDonald, and a bunch of other awesome people. And you can also take Sunny Straits class. I know that some people have online voiceover consultations like Richard Horvitz or Crispin Freeman. You can go on Voice Acting Alliance and congregate with a bunch of people who want to get into this industry and you can audition for projects there or um, I think Kira Buckland actually made a forum recently it's a good other resource to use and yeah just like totally listening and studying different actors is a great way to learn because then you can pick up on their mannerisms and different styles of acting everybody has a different sort of style of the way they'll portray their characters or read certain lines. Learning accents could be a useful tool. Sometimes you will be asked to do an accent on the spot and if you can do it that's better in your favor because sometimes you can't and that sucks. There's a lot of different sort of steps that you can take. Any sort of tools like that and I think there's a book by Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt. It's a really handy book though. If you google Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt maybe on Amazon they might have the book on there. And then finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Yes, yes, I always like to promote things. I just got in a new simuldub called Eld Life. I play Lane Brick in that show. He's the captain of the Eld Life crew. I've got Nambaka Season 2. That's awesome. I've got some other simuldubs I got cast in that I can't talk about quite yet, but I will very soon, within the coming week or so. So stay tuned for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Damon Mills, D-A-M-A-N-M-I-L-L-S. Or you can friend me on Facebook, whatever you feel like, Brett. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can definitely check us out at popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as give us a follow on the bird, that is Twitter, at popanimecomics. Like our Facebook page, Pop Anime Comics. Check us out on Instagram, at popanimecomics. And if you feel so inclined, we do have a pro wrestling tee shop that is open. You could get our shirt that is Pop Anime Comics on Pro Wrestling Tee. So check that out. And until next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.